Hey, this is Matt from Access Press here. Just letting you guys know that I am dropping in this Star Wars special episode uh, just to celebrate celebrate May the 4th. Um, my, me and my buddies recorded this on my other podcast called What'd You Think? Uh, I talk about it usually on this show towards the end just to kind of uh, fill you guys in that, hey, I do have another podcast out there. So filling this, dropping in this one, maybe you guys will be interested just because it has to do with Star Wars and it's Disney related as well. Um, so, hey, enjoy the episode, and if you like what we're talking about, uh, we talk about movies, video games, and TV shows every week. Uh, you could follow that at, at What'd You Think. Um, all the links uh, of how to find us are in the description uh, in the show notes below. Um, so, yeah, check that out if you like, enjoy the episode. So, all right, everyone, may the 4th be with you. Happy Star Wars Day, everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of What'd You Think, where we talk about the movies, TV shows, and video games we love or sometimes hate. My name is Matt Zbita, and I want to introduce my co-host, Eric Hargrove. Eric, what's going on? Oh, nothing, Matt. How you doing? May the 4th be with you? Yes, and may the 4th be with you <laughs> as well. Uh, yeah, doing doing well. Just excited for Star Wars Day. Uh, tried to do some shopping today, which I'll talk about later. Uh, to kind of get them some things, but it's all right. Uh, it's been I've been listening to some Star Wars music as I was doing work today, so just trying to keep the uh, the Star Wars cheer going on, I guess. Um, yeah. But uh, we have a special guest today, uh, Eric. This is your brother Ryan. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I'm very excited to talk about Star Wars today. Uh, you know, when I was actually doing my list today, I actually had Empire Strikes Back on the background, so they kind of give me the mood for all the Star Wars talk I'm going to have today. So I'm very excited to be here. Perfect. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, no, thanks. Ryan. Thanks for coming on. What's up, Eric? Ryan's unapologetic. Just to give everybody a heads up. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan's unapologetically a Star Wars lover. <laughs> and I honestly, I love him for it. He sees the best in like everything. And uh, for him to have it with something like Star Wars that, you know, what we're going to talk about probably a little today about how polarizing it's become. Uh, he's he's definitely got a good good happy outlook on it. So I'm happy he's on today too. Yeah, no, he's I think out of all of our friend groups, he's definitely the the biggest one, at least that I know. Um, so this was actually uh, I wasn't even planning on doing a Star Wars episode until uh, Eric, you mentioned it to me that Ryan came up with the idea of maybe doing it for May the fourth. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad you did. Uh, so Ryan, again, welcome to the show. So. Uh, what we're going to kind of do today, Ryan already hinted at the fact that we made a list, uh, so I kind of gave them uh, the opportunity to kind of go and make a list of their top five moments uh, in the Star Wars film. First I said Star Wars saga, but that's also including Solo and Rogue One as well. Uh, so the saga. Saga. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, we, we're going to be talking about just some of our favorite moments from, from Star Wars. Uh, but before we get that uh, to that, uh, we're going to talk about some of the news that was dropped today. Two big pieces of film and TV news. 
was dropped about Star Wars. Uh, StarWars.com released an article, so I will go into that. Not much details there, but uh, just some really big news. Um, and then we'll just talk about some of the stuff that dropped on Disney Plus today. So some cool things over there that I want to mention. Um, so before we could begin, like how, like how do you guys, like what do you guys plan on doing to celebrate uh, Star Wars Day? Are you guys watching anything? I know we were talking about listening to some music, but what have you guys been doing? Go ahead, Ryan. Or will well, do. I've been, yeah. Well, I've been uh, listening to like a lot of like you know music from Star Wars. Like I think John Williams is probably one of the greatest. Uh, composer of all time uh, Lucas famously said that I don't think Star Wars would be as big as it is today because half his film is based on music and I don't think Star Wars would be as epic as it is sometimes without that great John Williams score so uh, I've been listening to a lot of music today uh, the news today about Taika Waititi and uh, Leslie Headland uh, I'm really excited about it and I uh, can't wait to talk about it yeah uh well, real, real quick, Eric, I want to hit on that. Um, I, th- I think it's it's funny you mentioned the music uh, being a big part, which I completely agree. And when you uh, see my top five, you'll notice uh, how many moments were just based on the music itself. So it, it definitely goes a long way there. Um, but cool. Sounds good. So, uh, Eric, what about you? Uh, today, I mean, I, I don't know. I'll probably you'll see if maybe I could watch uh, a Star Wars movie before I go to bed tonight. That's kind of how I'll celebrate. A little busy today, obviously, with like you know everything going on and all that kind of stuff and some other things. But um, you know, I'll just touch on it again, like how you said, to said with the music. It's you know, there's nothing more recognizable, I think, than the Star Wars like score. You know, and that's John Williams, uh, and he's you know, like Ryan said, one of the best composers ever. Um, and he's Matt, you know, like he, he's in my Spotify playlist in terms of like movie scores and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, may, maybe tomorrow I'll listen to some, uh, Star Wars music since it's kind of late today, but I'll definitely hit a movie before bedtime. Nice. Sounds good. Yeah. That's, uh, uh what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to finish. I was watching, um, the Clone Wars movie earlier because I'm finally getting to the TV show, watching it chronologically. I'll talk about that a bit later. Um, but I also got a chance to really quickly watch the first episode of Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, um, which is the new docuseries on Disney Plus. So, oh, that came out already. Came out today, yeah, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So I want to talk about it a little bit later. So, okay, it's good. It's actually really good. So. Um, cool. So let's uh, let's get into the news. So I'm going to read uh, quickly from Lisa's first portion uh, from the article from StarWars.com. Uh, they announced today uh, Academy Award winner Taika Waititi, who recently won Best Adapted Screenplay for Jojo Rabbit and directed the widely acclaimed first season finale uh, episode of The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Will uh, direct and co-write a new Star Wars feature film for a theatrical release. So, man, I am super excited for this. Um, at least for me, I think uh, Taika Waititi has had like a, a pretty much a perfect track record so far for his movies. Uh, what we do in the shadows, the hunt for the wilder people. We got Thor Ragnarok. Um, just phenomenal writer, director, action comedy. So I'm curious to see what they give him to do. Um, for this, I really hope it's just like a, a one like a, a spin-off, like a one-off kind of Star Wars film set in the universe. Um, just we get new characters, maybe a new timeline. But 
Um, it, again, I think we're going to see that action comedy from him because he does it so well. He's able to mix the, the comedy even with dr uh, drama so well. And I think that's what made the finale of The Mandalorian spectacular. There was uh, He had a great mix of everything there. Uh, but really excited uh, for this news. Uh, so what about you guys? What do you think? Uh, so <clears throat> I'll say this is great news. And I think we kind of all saw it coming. Uh, if you... You know, if you kind of looked at what good response the Mandalorian got for the uh, episode that he did, I think it was the season finale, right, Ryan? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and then, you know, like you said, Matt, he's just, you know, batting a thousand right now. He's just doing, that's, yeah, that's good, right? Okay, cool. Uh, he's just, <laughs> he's just doing great right now with everything <laughs> he does. And, um, you know, I mean, you're talking about a guy that played Adolf Hitler in a movie that was, you know, funny but wholesome and, and warm-hearted and cold, all in its own kind of right, and he just hit it out of the park. And, you know, we'll talk about this, but Star Wars is polarizing today, so if you put somebody like this in the in the captain's chair, if you will, uh, you know, I totally agree with you. I hope, uh, I hope they introduce a new aspect of the universe, new characters. I think he's the perfect person to introduce new characters, because he, he, like, provides this really quick way of giving you, like, the personality and backstory of a character and almost a few lines or moments and actions and, and little subtle things. So he's, he does a very good job at storytelling and I think star Wars has to get back to good storytelling. So I think this is a great uh, step forward. Um, so yeah, Ryan, what, uh, what do you got on this? Well, uh, Taika Waititi, uh, the, when he did the, the final episode of the Mandalorian, I was very excited because he was just so good in that episode, like directing. He was actually the voice of uh, uh what was the choice name? IG Eleven. IG Eleven. He was so 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 good in the way that character kind of went out, which is like so perfectly done. Not not to get any spoilers, but uh, I've yet to see Jojo Rabbit. But now with this announcement, I really want to see Jojo Rabbit because everybody like I talked to have like loved oh, that film. It's great. So I actually want to see him like yeah, do like a movie kind of like that. I do think this is actually great for Star Wars because I, I do agree with you. Like Taika Waititi is great with characters mm -hmm. and they give him kind of like a solo like you know solo outing and just place it like in, a, in his like own separate like sandbox so to speak and just let have him play around with it i think that'd be better i don't think he would be uh in his wheelhouse if he had to do like a trilogy i think they should be going for other directors for that kind of role where with taika he should be doing like kind of solo stuff so i think this is very exciting news because like you said stars is kind of a polarizing thing and i agree with you they had to get back to character and story right yeah i i think i think you hit it right with uh, him being really great at developing characters and i think a perfect example of that is just what he did with thor i mean i i think for the most part the thor movies are the least liked uh, at least i mean the first two thor and the thor the dark world those are the least liked films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I actually really like Thor, but I, I know a lot of people don't. Uh, but what he did with Thor and Thor Ragnarok uh, completely revitalized the character, the franchise, and kind of what Thor was with the kind of the um, the uh, what's the word I'm for? Chris, Chris Hemsworth really appreciated that as well, and kind of went with that character, and they developed it together, and where they went, and. Um, yeah, I think he's I think he's perfect for a one off. I don't know if I would want to see him do a trilogy. I'm glad they didn't say he was doing a trilogy, but they're just that he's just doing a new feature film. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Matt, I do uh, quickly want to say, I mean, that you know, that's that's like a really solid point, though. Like you're talking about he took Thor three 
and two other Avengers movies before it. Mm -hmm. And he essentially took a character who, in my opinion, was very one-dimensional, right? Like, oh, and he, very much so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, he comes in speaking yep. in old English yep. and whatever, you know, more, please. And it's like he took that guy and gave him, like, so much in one movie, and he did it in an equally comedic but like at the point of where he put Thor's character is what propelled him into being this incredible character in in Infinity War and Endgame. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Right. So if you just look at that, he took a guy who was already established, uh, which then had a better overcompassing arc over three movies. If they do it where he does the intro for a trilogy or whatever, maybe that same thing could happen, right? Yeah, I, I don't think. Thor would be who he was in Infinity War and Endgame if it wasn't for Taika and Chris Hemsworth kind of revamping the character. And um, I think the the movies would have been totally different. Um, just seeing how Thor kind of progressed throughout those two movies, which I'm talking about Infinity War and Endgame, how he was just so defeated in, in Infinity War, how he lost everyone that he, he's ever loved. Uh, and then him going into this depression and Endgame and uh, just really... Just coming out, to me, one of the best character arcs in, in Endgame. So, mm -hmm. Or in the Infinity Saga. Right. Um, Completely so. agree. Um, cool. So uh, there has been no um, news of uh, when it's coming out, what's happening with it. They literally just uh, kind of wrote about, uh, yeah, that he was, he was announced. So um, I should, uh, I also forgot to mention this, but uh, Watiti is also writing the screenplay, uh, but he's being joined with Academy Award nominee Christy Wilson Carnes, uh, who wrote uh, 1917 and Last Night in Soho. 1917 was the movie that came out uh, earlier this year, the, the Sam Mendes war drama. Uh, Last Night in Soho is the upcoming film from uh, Edgar Wright. Um, but she also received the BAFTA Award for Outstanding British Film of the Year on uh, 1917. So um, that's pretty awesome that uh, they're going to be co-writing this film together. Uh, 1917, I really loved. Eric, I know you were um, a little bit bored by it, but you liked it for the most part. Um, yeah, but... I do. Yeah, I do want to mention another thing in terms of Christy Wilson, uh, Cairns. How do you say it? Carnes? I think it's Cairns because Cairns? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it's pronounced Cairns. Okay. Well, this is, I, I just, I saw this in an article on The Verge that it says, you know, this is the second time in Star Wars, you know, history, I guess, that a woman's co-wrotten a movie. The first time was Lee Brackett, and that was for Empire Strikes Back. So oh, interesting. Okay. everybody knows how good that movie is in terms of, you know, writing and, and stuff like that. So that just gets me a little more excited. Cool. Sounds good. Thanks for that little tidbit that I did not know. Um, so yeah, so they're going to be co-writing it. And the next piece of news that was announced today, Emmy-nominated uh, writer Leslie Headland from Russian Doll and Bachelorette is currently developing a new untitled Star Wars series for Disney+. Plus. Headland will write, executive produce, and serve as showrunner for the series, which adds to the growing list of Star Wars story coming uh, to Disney's streaming platform, uh, Disney Plus. So uh, very exciting news there. I don't know if you guys have seen Russian Doll, but it's I think it's an eight episode series on uh, Netflix. It's fantastic. Uh, it stars uh, Natasha Lyonne. Um, 
I think uh, her, Natasha Leone, Leslie Headland, and um, Amy Poehler all, all co-created together, or at least co-produced. Um, but it's like a really cool uh, twist on uh, Groundhog's Day. Um, what like the 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 concept of Groundhog's Day? Um, okay. Yeah, it's re it's really good. My my wife and I we really enjoyed it. So uh, seeing that Leslie Headland is going to be heading up uh, the. Uh, whatever show this is going to be, uh, just very excited for it. So, uh, what have you guys seen Russian Doll or heard of it or what? I mean, just give me your your take on on this news. Well, Z, I I haven't actually heard of Russian Doll or actually heard like seen or heard about Russian Doll. So, I, I actually want to watch this series now because now with her coming into Star Wars and being the showrunner, I kind of want to see what her tendencies are. Now she kind of writes characters, how she does like her storytelling. So, uh. It gives me another show to watch, you know, right now, and uh, I want to see uh, how she does. And I think it's really good they're trying to get more uh, female, you know, females into the Star Wars brand because, uh, you know, you want to branch out. You want to get, you know, many different people from all different walks of life as possible to try to make that cast or, you know, storytelling as diverse as possible. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree with yep. Ryan and that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen Russian Doll, but, you know, I'll kind of uh, say what Ryan said. It just, you know, gives me another th show on the list to watch and kind of see what she does. Um, it, it, it'd be good to, you know, bring in, like Ryan said, you know, more diverse ways of storytelling because, you know, I mean, like with Marvel, you didn't have one kind of character, one director, one take at all. Like we got a whole mixed bag after a while and it's what added to that kind of universe and you know all we want to see is more and more content so mm -hmm. the more and more different we get things the you know it's just the better it is i would say i agree yeah yep 100 percent um yeah I, I don't have much more to add there but yeah highly recommend russian doll she does great character work uh in that show it's a very easily bingeable show i think uh there's eight episodes all half hour each uh, about so oh, how many uh, what is that how many seasons there's one season so far um but i think season two it's def there's definitely a season two i just don't know when uh it's gonna be so it's supposed to season two is supposed to be this year just don't know when okay um, but yeah so that is uh currently streaming on netflix that was a netflix original um, so yeah, just some cool over the uh, cool news over there. I mean, there's still a bunch of other Star Wars shows coming to Disney Plus. Um, the Mandalorian is now in production for season two. Then we have the Cassian Andor's uh, series, uh, who was uh, the one of the main characters in Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Uh, there's the Obi Wan. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi series as well which will take place between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope um, but I'm curious what are, like are you which uh, which series are you excited for more like the the Cassian Endo or Obi-Wan Kenobi I feel like that's I already know the answer um, but uh, I'm just curious to your take on both of those shows well first Z we have to know if Kenobi is going to be a movie or a TV TV series um, as far as far as I know, it's a series uh, which is going to be directed by Deborah Chow. Um, Deborah Chow did an episode. I think she did two episodes in The Mandalorian. Um, but yeah, have we heard otherwise or no? Well, it, it, if it is a TV series, uh, I'm more excited about Kenobi because I always wanted to know what Kenobi was doing in that time frame between Sith and A New Hope in that 20-year gap. Uh, I know... 
in Rebels, uh, you know, if, if you've ever seen Rubble. Yeah, watch watch spoilers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, something happens there that's, like, very, very cool and interesting. But, yeah, just see, like, kind of Kenobi be, like, a hermit in the desert on Tatooine, kind of look over Luke, and maybe maybe he does a couple things. You know, I kind of had the idea, like, you know, what if he and Vader actually confronted one another and, you know, Kenobi try to get him back to the light side and it doesn't work out. Maybe they both get injured in the process and they kind of go their separate ways. I mean... If it is a series, I think going six to eight episodes would be perfect because, again, more time with Kenobi and more time to develop his character in the movie, you got two hours and you have to cram it all in. Right, right. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll kind of I'll kind of agree with Ryan. I didn't even know about this. What is it called? Cassie of Endor? Cassie and Andor. Yeah, I didn't really know. I, I You know, I don't even know about that one. So uh, I am excited for Kenobi's show. I agree with Ryan, and I kind of like that idea of that theory that, you know, it'd be really cool for Obi-Wan to find out in, like, a, a, a very, like, <sighs> destructive way, I guess, to himself that Anakin is actually Vader. And uh, it just adds more kind of backstory to A New Hope. Right. And if and if if you can get a little more there and gain a little more with Kenobi, I mean, let's not even but let's also talk about the fact that Ewan McGregor is coming back and the continuity there is just incredible for me and just the nostalgia alone. I mean, I think he's the best part of the prequel series, if you ask me. Oh, yeah, he's definitely the best part. Right. You know, so. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely excited for Kenobi. Also, like Ryan said, just, you know, give us more time with him. I want to see, I just want to spend time with Ewan McGregor as that character. Yeah. Yeah. No, very, very excited as well. Um, I'm almost confident it is a series. Um, but yeah, as far as Cassian Andor series, not very excited about that. I thought he was like my least favorite character in Rogue One. I loved Rogue One. Um, but I, when I heard this was announced, I'm like, really do people want this show is this something that people really really want um who was he in, in Cass, Cass, he was the the main dude um oh. with Jin or so yeah okay oh yeah. who's the actor's name felicity jones played Jin or so yeah well, who, 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 who oh who? um diego luna yeah thank you oh there you go thank diego. you oh he's diego done other luna. stuff yeah he's really good he's yeah really yeah good he's, a, he's a great actor he's been in yeah. a lot of great things um but he's kind of one-dimensional in that film kind of well, yeah, they, there's just like a weird story arc with him. Um, I mean, I don't want to go into it, into it now, but yeah. they there was just some weird character choices that just didn't make sense to me, and I just didn't really I didn't really care for him. So, right. um, cool, sounds good. So yeah, those were the two big pieces of news that were dropped today. Hopefully, I didn't miss anything else, uh, but um, at least uh, I, that's those are the few things that I saw. Um, so cool. So that's all the news for today. Um, there was, I do want to mention, there was like a lot of merchandise that was dropped today, like shopdisney.com. They, they put out a lot of merch. Um, their website pretty much was just trash this morning. I could not get on. I was, I wanted to get a few things, but after just trying for a while, I just gave up and didn't buy anything. So it's fine. Um, but the one thing I did buy, I bought, um, I'm actually glad I waited, but I bought the special edition of, of, at, from Target, the 4K of uh, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, I needed oh, to... Wow, that sounds like a good $20 <laughs> spent, Matt. 
I need it. Well, the thing is, I have I so I'm a big DVD and Blu-ray collector. I needed to round out my collection, so I was like, well, I just got to do it. So um, got to eat this cost right here of a movie I'm never gonna open. <laughs> no, I'm gonna no. I'm hey, don't. I am definitely gonna. I'm definitely gonna watch it. Um, definitely gonna watch it, and which also leads me into. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is the stuff that was uh, released on Disney Plus today. Um, one, uh, the, if you want to watch The Rise of Skywalker, it is now streaming on Disney Plus. Um, but the thing that I was actually really excited about, I was just going through Disney Plus before, and I saw that there is a documentary called The, Le- the Skywalker Legacy. It's a two-hour documentary that's a special feature f- um, b- of all behind-the-scenes um, the making of Rise of Skywalker. Um, so I want to rewatch the movie and then watch the, the documentary because um, I, I want to see what kind of insights to give on the documentary for the choices that they made with Rise of Skywalker. I mean, Eric, I know you and I have talked about on the past in the show, just we, I guess we thought we liked the movie, but we just, we really don't. <laughs> I mean, we just have a lot of issues with it. Uh, it's still a fun movie, but yeah, lots lots of issues with it. Um, so I'm curious to to watch that that documentary, which again is in the extras section on Disney Plus. You can watch it. Um, the um, uh, yeah, I just want to see what they kind of say, talk about because uh, I remember when like the Last Jedi came out. That was also a pretty polarizing movie, but like for the most part, critics and audiences loved it. I mean, there's still a lot of people that did not like the Last Jedi. Um, but there was another great behind-the-scenes documentary called the the director and the Jedi, which came with the Blu-ray, which is also as an extra for the Last Jedi on Disney Plus, so you could watch that. Um, but it was great because you got into the mind of Ryan Johnson, who directed the Last Jedi, um, and kind of his thought process for when he wrote the film and why he made certain decisions. I'm like. You know what that like I, I can't remember ex- exact like instances off the top of my head but I was thinking to myself like okay yeah that makes a lot of sense to me of why like Luke Skywalker would go in this direction and why he did this and uh, I just found it really fascinating so maybe I'll get some of those answers in this new Rise of Skywalker uh, extra uh, documentary called the Skywalker Legacy so mm-hmm. um yeah thoughts yeah I mean I'll <laughs> I'll say, you know, it's so that you mentioned that about Rise of Skywalker when we talked about it, because I think my brother says it every time. Like he br- he brings up that podcast where we're like, yeah, you know, like we, we <laughs> like the movie. But then he's like, then you guys proceed to, you know, say how bad it was for the next hour of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess we didn't like the movie. But, you know, I will say this. um, definitely going to watch these two documentaries i I really i'm actually more interested in the documentary for the last jedi uh because the more i watch that movie and the more it sits with me and then even after you know hindsight 2020 but even after seeing rise of skywalker i'm just like you know there there's a good movie there and there is some missed opportunity like there you know like you know we have our gripes about little pieces and parts with it but I feel like if some of those story if some of those story elements were then extended and concluded in the next film, I think we wouldn't have had an issue with Last Jedi, but they kind of, you know, cut it off at the knees and that is what it is, but um you know, I do want to watch that documentary because Ryan Johnson's a brilliant director. I mean, Knives Out was incredible. And, and you know, Looper incredible. So it's like 
there's no way that he just like flopped on Star Wars. Like I feel like it's not a guy that would do something that would be so out of his wheelhouse, you know. Like and and I do want to hear about his insight into some of the things in that yeah. movie because. Uh, you know, I, I feel like it'll legitimize it more. And then, you know, I mean, hearing it from the horse's mouth kind of thing, you're going to look at it differently. So, you know, uh, definitely excited about the extras, uh, you know. So, yeah, definitely looking into it. Yeah, actually, also, Z, like, my opinion on the Ryan Skywalker, I actually, I'm going to quote, like, one one of my favorite like, uh, Star Wars podcasters who said, the Ryan Skywalker is kind of like a fun mess. Like, I think one of the main issues with The Rise of Skywalker is they kind of listened too much onto what the fans were saying, and it felt like J.J. and the, and the, and the writers kind of ran onto Reddit, like, oh, this is what the fans wanted, we're going to give it to them. And I think that's a main, main problem. And and like Eric said, being high side, being 2020, I think years from now, we're going to look back on The Last Jedi and look at it more favorably because one of the best things about the last year for me it took ball you know took guts and, and risk yeah. to go somewhere different and wanted to be something new where you look at the ryan skywalker is first of all the first 20 minutes is it's like it's it's like the movie's on fast forward like we got to speed through these 20 minutes and then like this kind of logic gas and there are some like great mo moments in the film but they're kind of few and far between and really, I think for me, the film gets like really like fun and exciting at the very end of the film. But kind of the middle and the beginning is kind of like fast and kind of jumbled. So are you, but are you interested in seeing a documentary about the making of this of wonderful chaos? <laughs> well, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. Like, if it's on Disney Plus, I definitely want to check it out and kind of see what the process was and why they did certain things in that film. And I'm more excited about The Last Jedi uh, documentary because that is probably one of the most controversial films of all time in terms of fandom yeah and to kind of go inside the mind of ryan johnson i don't think he hates star wars no. i think i think the problem with the sequel trilogy was he had a division between what people you know what their opinions were of star wars he had jj who had his opinion and had ryan johnson who's opinion his opinion and i think that kind of clash of what they want star wars and the sequel trilogy to be and i i think kind of ruined the, you know the rise of skywalker at the very end well, I, I can agree with that yeah. yeah, and I think some of that blame, which I know we've talked about, is kind of goes to Kathleen Kennedy, uh, the president of Lucasfilm, of letting that kind of division between them or um, that direction of where they were taking the trilogy. I think that's what kind of guided it to the 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 um, chaos that we that we saw in the in the last movie. So, right. Um, but yeah, so the the documentaries, uh, I'm I'm very I'm gonna try to watch it, uh, the the Skywalker Legacy. I'm gonna try to watch that one by next week. Hopefully, I can do that. Um, but yeah, so Rise of Skywalker now streaming on Disney Plus as well as the Skywalker Legacy, which is an extra. You have to go. It's not. It's as an extra within the movie, uh, and then the director and a Jedi, which is also in the extras of the Last Jedi. Um, so yeah, that aired today on Disney Plus, uh, and then we also got the finale of Clone Wars. Uh, so I recently, I finally just started it. Uh, I'm I'm going in. Eric, we talked about me about going in the chronological chronological order last week, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you're like you got to watch this, and then you got to go back and watch yeah, the movie. Okay, and yeah. Come back and watch that. It's, yeah. It's yeah. Tough. So. It's like Marvel, you know, it's like... Yeah. So. 
So I'm doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm midway through the movie. I'm going to try to watch the rest after this. Um, uh, but Ryan, do you, have you watched the Clone Wars or no? I, I watched most of the Clone Wars. Uh, I've been really, I really enjoy season seven. Uh, season I seven. Yeah, the last season. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, the Remember, no, season. no spoilers. No spoilers. Yeah. Well, in my opinion, like I really liked it. This last season. Uh, this final arc is probably one of the best Star Wars I've ever seen in my life, and that's saying something because Star Wars is just like you know has a lot of great moments. Uh, I think the only issue I have with this season is kind of like the middle arc of this. Of this last season, kind of like kind of a dead, like it's kind of like boring. It's like, <sighs> who wrote this, Filoni? Yeah, Dave Filoni. Okay, he's the guy that did Game of Thrones, or no? No, he created Clone Wars to show. Um, then he also directed. A f- I think he helped co-write the Mandalorian series he did as the first well episode. as he directed oh. a few. Uh, yeah, he directed episodes one and five. Okay. Of the Mandalorian. So, I mean, I haven't watched this Clone Wars. Now, me being like a quote-unquote Star Wars fan, I mean, like, really, I've just kind of watched the movies and everything, uh, listened to a few books, but is this something that I should watch to make me care more about Attack of the Clones? Because that movie is garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, first of all, with Eric's comment, I do agree with him. Like, agree with him with Attack of the Clones. It's actually my worst Star Wars film of all time. Oh, and, man, uh, I, I disagree with you guys. Man. Really? really? It, that's my favorite prequel film. Stop. You know, I'm you, not you, kidding either. <laughs> you know what I You know what I don't like? I, you know, I, I just don't like sand. You know, it's just, it's just so coarse. Oh, yeah. It just gets everywhere. Trust me, the, the love story is hot garbage. Like, it's terrible. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to argue there. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's just something about it that just I think it's the it's it's just a unique Star Wars film. And it's just to me, just very different from others. I don't know. I love it. It's great. It's awesome. But the segue back to Clone Wars, I think what it, what it does the best in that series is kind of give more backstory to, you know, that prequel era stuff mm-hmm. to where now we by the end of this show, like, when you get through all the seasons you look back on it and kind of go back on the prequels and like, you know what? It actually really improved upon it. Like certain things that happened, like with Anakin and Kenobi, like and all those characters, mm-hmm. uh, there's actually more weight to it okay. in the prequels now because of what's happened in the show. Okay. Can I ask a question then since you've watched this whole thing? <laughs> and, and, and this question is coming from Doug. Doug always asks this question. Oh, he, he's talking about our friend, our friend Doug, who absolutely is done with Star Wars, hated the Last Jedi, and compl- yeah, Star Wars is dead to him. <laughs> All right, so Re- oh, of- he also sorry, he also yeah. refused to see Rise of Skywalker in theater. He boycotted <laughs> it. So, <And> then- <laughs> okay. but he's also a huge Star Wars fan as well. So, right, yeah, sorry, I mean, go on. Yeah. Uh, so at the end of Clone Wars, do we know? who the trade federation is and where they come from and what they're there for. <laughs> <laughs> Do we well, know? No, not really. I All right. Well, that's yeah. all I need to Listen, know. any, anyone listening yeah, I, I out there, say what the federation is, but I, I don't want to get any trouble by saying what they, well, were I don't know who knows by. what they are, what they were inspired by. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If anyone out there can explain to us what the trade federation is, just uh, hit us up. We're still trying to figure that one out. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, very, I, I'm, I watched, so I'm, I only watched two episodes halfway through the movie, but I'm like, I'm really invested so far. Like there's some just really great storytelling going on. 
Um, and it's funny the 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 first two movie or the first two TV sh- first two episodes I watched, as well as the movie, they had that like kind of wartime um, announcer. It's like here we find Anakin and Obi Wan on the front lines of. Uh, Bustafar, whatever they are, like, and so I don't know if it's gonna be like that war propaganda. Every, every uh, Ryan, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, it's kind of like an old school, like, uh, like '60s, like intro, like, like you know, a radio host, like kind yes. of a radio host voice. Yeah, right, here we are down here in the yeah. galaxy, down here on Mustafa with like, uh, like Eric, like it reminds you've seen Star Starship Troopers, right? Yeah, yeah it yeah. reminds me of the um, uh, the propaganda films that they do. Uh, yeah it's something something like that so join the join the federation yep pretty much that's yeah that's pretty much it is so i i hope that continues throughout the series don't spoil it i don't know if it does or not but uh yeah i found it to be interesting um uh then the last thing uh, i want to mention here is that they premiered the show disney gallery uh the mandalorian so what this is this is i believe it's a eight episode uh docuseries of um the mandalorian all the like all the making of and the behind the scenes of what went into to making the show um it's i assume that they were going to be doing this for other shows because the title is disney gallery so we'll probably see some other shows in the future um but I happened to watch the first episode right before this, uh, and it's great. Uh, they only the, it looks like they're releasing one uh, every week. Uh, the first episode is all about the directors, uh, and they go into all the the five directors, and just it's a, it's a half hour, pretty pretty quick and easy. Uh, but it's just them kind of talking about uh, their background a little bit and showing a little bit of behind the scenes footage. But it's mostly like a a roundtable discussion. Uh, well, not mostly, maybe like. Two thirds of it is like a roundtable discussion of them, uh, kind of chatting about the show. But it was actually really good. It was it was well done. So you guys uh, should check it out. Okay. Uh, no, I'm definitely gonna check it out. Um, so do you remember when we were talking about it last week, and I was asking you like, are they gonna do like an episode per an episode? So this roundtable, are they just discussing generally, or are they kind of have they narrowed it in onto the ep- like the first episode or whatever? Um, I don't think I quite get your question. I mean, this this one was there was a lot of behind the scenes footage, which was really cool to see. Um, But like a lot of it was also them at a round table, just kind of talking mixed like they went Mm -hmm. from director to director, like going back, like just going from one to the next throughout the entire episode. Um, oh, okay, okay. So they didn't have just, like, the director on that did the first episode of Mandalorian. Like, they didn't just have Favreau and Filoni on. No, no. They they okay. did they did all the directors this episode in 30 minutes, and then it's going to be a bunch of stuff the, the next few episodes, more behind the scenes. Okay. So, yeah. yeah it was really good. I, you guys should check it out. So. Yeah, um, Cool. So that's uh, that's all the stuff I have for today. So that's the news. Uh, what's on Disney Plus? So let's get to the fun stuff. Kind of talk about our top five moments. Um, we don't know. To, we don't need to go into like deep discussion on this, but this is just kind of fun. Like a top five list of just like our favorite moments um, uh, throughout the Star Wars films. So that includes all nine films as well as Solo and Rogue One. Um, now, when I think of moments, it's just like something that's like impacted me, something that's maybe quick, not like a whole scene or a sequence or whatever like that, but just like maybe a quiet moment or something like that. Um, 
that's kind of how, how I went into this. Um, what about you guys? Like, how did you, when I told you this, like, how did you interpret, interpret the question? Well, I, I kind of interpret the question as like, like, like favorite moments, like favorite sequences, like throughout, you know, all the, the movies. So actually when I did my list today, I, I kind of listed all, like all the movies and, you know, my favorite moments throughout all, like all the films. And the list started out at 54. Jesus, 50, what? 54 moments. This, oh. this overachiever over here. Oh my god, so, I did mine in like five, like seven minutes. It was well, hard. I'm ridiculous. I want to. I want to have a good list. See what I mean? This kid is just crazy. So, so, <laughs> so getting getting down to five, actually getting down to ten was like really hard. But uh, yeah, I'm actually kind of curious to see what you guys have for your top five. Moments. I, I, I think your moments for Star Wars is a longer list than my favorite movies of the 2010s. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, well, uh, this will be good. So, yeah, so for me, uh, I just kind of thought back to like each movie and kind of what scenes kind of I just like, like personally, like what I've had fun or entertaining or or whatever. Um, so maybe not some of the best scenes ever, you know, but uh, to me, they were just fun scenes that stuck with me. Yeah, they. So I talked about this when we did our top ten of the two thousand tens, and when I talked about Interstellar. Uh, Interstellar was one of those movies that really stuck with me throughout the the entire decade. Well, since 2014 when it came out, but it really stuck with me since then. And that's kind of how I viewed like these moments. Like, what are the moments that really have just kind of stuck with me over time? Uh, and that's kind of how I created my list. Like, three of them I knew right off the bat that I was putting on the list, but um, coming up with the other two were a little a little bit tougher, but not too bad. So that's that's kind of how how I viewed it. Um, so here I'll, I'll I'll begin with the first one just to kind of get like the feelers out there. Um, so uh, this is uh, all spoilers for the movies. Um, all bets are off. Uh, so if you haven't watched any of the Star Wars films, um, we probably will spoil um, some of the big moments. At least I do. I think I have. Well, we'll see. But um, uh, I think yeah, we'll be spoiling it. So uh, if you haven't seen any of the Star Wars films, including Rogue One and Solo, uh, you might not want to listen to this. All right, so for my number five, top five moment uh, was the death of Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, Yeah, yeah. so how I think of this is like you had this epic battle. I mean, arguably like the best lightsaber fight in the entire saga. I mean, I don't think you can top it. You had John Williams again with the music. You got John Williams with the Duel of the Fates. Easily one of the best musical uh, um, composed pieces uh, for the entire saga, Duel, the, Duel of the Fates. Um, at first, you have this fight going on, and then there's this built-up tension from those force fields that they're they're waiting uh, on. So, like, they're all the blo- like uh, Obi Wan, Darth Maul, and Qui Gon Jinn. They're all separated from each other from these force fields. So there's like a a tense waiting game happening, um, and then. Uh, Obi Wan is separated, and then you see Qui Gon and Darth Maul just fighting each other, uh, and then the moment comes where, like Darth Maul, like he doesn't even care about anything. Just, just he he put he puts the, his blade through through Qui Gon Jinn, and there's just like this the yell of Obi Wan that you could just you could just hear the yell of him screaming no, um, and then just the the music hits and it drops, and you just see. Qui-Gon Jinn fall and Darth Maul is like all right on to my next victim like that to me that's just like a lasting moment and easily the to me the best uh moment um 
out of the prequel trilogy uh, for me. And I, I absolutely love that. So that's uh, my number five moment. Dude, dude, great moment. You know, uh, that was definitely on my top 10 list, I'd say. Um, but I couldn't have like three fight scenes in my top five. So it didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah, it was the same with me. It, it, it was definitely top 10 with me. I just love that fight. It's probably the best choreography fight out of the prequels has also the best score. Duel of the Fates is just so iconic at this point. And I, I just love also the end of the fight when Kenobi takes on Maul. Just like that fast sequence. Like, oh, just yeah. insane. It's just... Oh. The only problem I have with it is how it ended with how Maul just looks like a kind of complete idiot. Well, like they kinda, salvage kinda, it, right? You know, kind of gets kind of half. But they kind of establish it with him coming back and, you know, so-and-so. But... <laughs> All right, let's get your number five. So, uh, my number five is... The Vader scene from Rogue One at the very end of Rogue One. It, it's so... I, I swear to God, Vita, when that happened and we're sending the plans getting dropped off to uh, the you know the 10th of 4 in A New Hope, the lights go out, you hear Vader's breathing, and then the lights out comes out, and you know those rebels are just screwed. <laughs> and what I love about the scene is the music just amps up like the horror. Like, Vader just... Vader came off like just like a scary monster he came off like a michael myers or a jason Voorhees, and he's just mm -hmm. like cutting them all down and he came came off like this unstoppable monster yeah and it was just like frightening and everybody was like going nuts like behind me and scott was just oh it was just just so memorable it made him just look like it was brutal like a monster yeah no dude definitely brutal uh and, and I'll say, like, if you actually watch these movies now in chronological order and you see that scene before A New Hope, it, it just makes that moment in A New Hope when he walks in through the door. It's just probably like a, oh, oh my God, there he's just going to kill everybody again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, another another great, incredible, incredible scene. Yeah, um, no, it's it was definitely a scene that people wanted for so long just to see him do that. Mm -hmm. um, and Eric, you're absolutely right. Like watching Rogue One directly in A New Hope, like it makes New Hope so much better. Uh, yeah. After watching that, not not just from the Vader perspective, from like the whole, but the whole movie in general. Um, Cool. Right now, yeah, I totally agree. Like you know, and just talking about that real, real quick before I give you my five. Look, thinking back at these moments, A New Hope was probably one of the movies I had the least in my in the forefront of my mind. Wow. Yeah, like mm -hmm. I, I don't know, but uh, I will say, well, funny here though, number five for me <laughs> is the cantina scene <laughs> from A New Hope. <laughs> from A New Hope. Wow. Surprise, surprise. Eric is a total hypocrite. <laughs> Um, I, I love this scene. I love leading up and, you know, le leading up to it also with Obi-Wan and Luke in the, in the, uh, speeder with the, these aren't the droids you're looking for kind of thing. They get in the cantina and it's like, it's, it's a bar on a different world, you know, in the, in the, in a different galaxy. So it, it was just such a cool scene because of how violent the bar was. Um, but then it's the introduction of Han Solo, which is like one of the reasons why I love this scene the most is because it like sets his character up as this kind of smuggler, you know, guy. He kills uh, Greedo. Han shot first, Han, by the way. Yeah, Han shot first for sure. But then it just adds to his whole character arc of what you then see 
occur to his character. So like thinking back as a whole of the saga, uh, I love the can cantina scene that much more because it is the introduction of Han Solo. Yeah, I think Eric's perfectly said it best. I mean, I think one of the best things about the cantina scene is it's a great way to world build. Like, there's other races and species out there. You get to see uh, it's a great introduction to Hasso. Like, you kind of you kind of want to trust him, but you kind of like shaky about it. Kind of yep. kind of a, a grayish character, especially when he kills Greedo. And I I can't believe they actually added McClunky into that scene now, <laughs> which just makes no sense to me. But the first time I actually watched it, I just laughed out loud because I just it was just so ridiculous. But yeah, it was a great intro to the Han Solo character, uh, and to see where his arc would go throughout the other films, especially in the Force Awakens. You look back on that like, wow, he's really changed since like that introduction, and see the growth and the like how much he's grown over that time. So yeah. Canteen scene is a very underrated scene throughout Star Wars lore. Cool. No, uh, agree. I think that's definitely one of the most iconic sequences as well as the music. So cool. So that was Eric's number five. So we're moving on to number four. Um, so to me, this one, uh, just another just great little quiet moment um, where we're on Bespin and Empire Strikes Back and uh, Han is about to go into Carbonite. Um, after he was captured by the bounty hunter, Boba Fett. Um, so Han is about to go into Carbonite. You, throughout the entire movie, you've been seeing this like kind of playful, flirtatious relationship between Han and Leia. Um, and as he's he's about to dip into go into the Carbonite, uh, she says to him, "I love you," and he responds, "I know." Uh, and to me, that's just one of the the moments that I always kind of reflect back to when I. Um, kind of when I think about Star Wars and I mean Empire Strikes Back is definitely I think one of my favorites of the movie of the the saga and um, I just I just love this 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 cute little moment between them and I know behind the scenes uh, Harrison Ford had said that I saying I love you just didn't fit his character so spontaneously uh, or improvising he he said I know and, and that fit more to his character and uh, I think that's what makes it so iconic today. Yeah, no, Matt, I totally agree. And the the funny thing is, is this is actually my number four uh, moment as well. No kidding, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I, it's just like one of those scenes that you just look back at and you watch and you're just like, oh, God, like, <laughs> I know. And That's it's so like, good. It, it's so good. But like, I, I do want to say this about it, because my last scene was kind of like a Han Solo scene. And, you know, you know, and listeners know that like I'm character kind of you know, I, I kind of care a lot about like the characters and stuff. That's like a scene too for Leia. You know, you see her kind of warm up to yeah. Han, mm -hmm. you know, and she is like you said, like they're on this kind of like, uh, you know, like hands off, hands on kind of thing throughout the whole movie. And it's like in that moment on the walk there and everything like that, like you kind of see it in her face that she's genuinely like scared that he might die and all this kind of stuff. So it just like it's like the breaking of her hard shell and for such a strong you know character that leia is uh for her to have like that break moment in her character to kind of soften her a bit like i thought was really good for her too and not in like some like you know stupid way like it, it, it added to her depth you know what i mean um yeah i know for sure she had what's the phrase i'm looking for she she had such like a uh, she was so tough throughout the entire movie, and she 
definitely became a little softer and more vulnerable uh, yeah. dur- during this scene. So, exactly. So yeah, I mean that's that's my number four. So I'll pass off to Ryan. <laughs> yeah, they kind of you know echo what Eric said. I I do love that scene too. That kind of just missed out on my list. Like it's actually in my top fifteen. I just love that moment because it does fit Han's character so so well. It's so iconic. It's just. You love it because it, it made him kind of look like a bad boy, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I know. I know you yeah. love me. Yeah, I know you love me. Like, And I do agree. I think it was very good for Leia. I mean, when I think of strong female characters that I kind of grew up on, mm-hmm. I think of Princess Leia. I think of Sarah Connor. Yeah. And I think of Rhea Ripley. So yeah. those are my top three. Ellen Ripley. Oh, you know, a- a- Ellen Ripley. A- I'm sorry. sorry. I had to, oh, I had to correct you. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ellen Ripley. Excuse me. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I think it was great for both characters in that scene. And the music that's going to play when Han's getting lowered in, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, uh, and then chewing the back and kind of like crying. Oh, I can't do it. And I actually kind of love the scene. That was actually part. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the scene, like, when the smoke clears, you see Vader's face coming through the, the you know, the, the smoke there. So, uh, yeah, I think it was a very, very cool scene. Uh, yeah. So, Ryan, you're number four. What do you got? So, my number four. Uh, is Yoda's explanation of the Force and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, it's really the scene where, you know, you know, Luke is trying to get the the X-Wing out of the, you know, that 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 you know, that pond, whatever, whatever it was like stinky pond. And he, and then he can't do it because like, well, it's like too big. It's like, and he says size matters not. And basically, what I love about that scene is it kind of his explanation of what the Force is how we're all kind of connected in a way. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're big, small, or you're a great warrior or not. You know, what matters to be a great Force user is to believe in your yourself, but also believe in something more than yourself. Right. So I think, uh, and also he also kind of puts the exclamation on the point there where this small, you know, puppet, I mean, Yoda was a puppet in that film. This small little, you know, thing lifts up the X-Wing and, and Luke's just like, did he really do that at that size? And plays it down, and Luke just says, I don't believe it. And your remarks, you know, that is why you failed, because you do not believe yet. Right. Yeah, I, that is, I didn't have thought about that, but yeah, that is a super powerful moment um, throughout uh, this, this saga. And just, I mean, that's when we really learn about the Force for the first time. I mean, I feel like it's, we, we get like a decent understanding of it from Obi-Wan in episode four. Um, but I think Yoda just really kind of explains it super well. But yeah, no, love, great moment. Love it. Yeah. And then another great moment also for John Williams co- composing that moment. I mean, everybody knows the sound that, yep. of that X, uh, X-Wing coming out of the mm-hmm. water. You know, like, and, and it, it's just, it's, it's really amazing. Like how, you know, Matt, and I know you do this. You could listen to a score of a film and watch it, you know, almost in your head mm-hmm. because you know, yep. like the score is so telling, you know, and that's, that's like a three, that's like another dimension of movies that like some just don't have anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, real quick, uh, definitely an iconic scene, Ryan, great, great scene. Uh, I think it does go overlooked a little bit. Mainly because, and we've all literally just mentioned a scene from Empire Strikes Back, and probably we will more, that movie is full of wonderful moments, and it's hard to kind of grasp all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, 100%. So, uh, that, I think that's a good segue into my number three moment, um, which is pretty much uh, all about the score. 
Um, now, so like when I think of Star Wars uh, as a whole, I honestly think of this one shot. Um, we're in A New Hope. Uh, it's towards the beginning of the movie. Luke is sitting with his aunt and uncle talking about his life and kind of how he's down and how he wants to kind of live his own life and go out and do things. Uh, and then he walks outside of his house and we see the, the binary sunset. Um, and we see, uh, we see him just staring off into the distance uh, of the, the, the two suns just setting. Uh, and we hear the classic score from John Williams, the, I think it's called Binary Sunset as well. And it's just like, when I think of Star Wars, I just think of this. Uh, and, it's, and it's great. And they try to repeat this moment a few other times, uh, especially in The Last Jedi. Uh, with, <laughs> uh, with the <laughs> what I, I, i'm just making that sound at the <laughs> when they try to do it again oh. <laughs> yeah yeah sorry i'll be nice it's no okay. it's all good it's all good yeah no they 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 kind of do it with the the death of um luke skywalker and then at the very end of uh, Rise of Skywalker is they do the binary sunset once again. Um, but uh, just that moment in A New Hope is just, it's great. He, he's just kind of staring off um, and the music playing and uh, it's just gorgeous and I love it. And it's just, yeah, I, when I think of Star Wars, I just I just think of that. So uh, that's, uh, that's my number three. Yeah, Matt, you know, I couldn't agree more. It's such an iconic kind of scene. I, I think... It's it's so interesting that like one scene could actually represent the whole saga, in my opinion, like the binary sun, the duality of it. I mean, that's what the whole series is about. And it could be viewed internally or externally, kind of what yeah. that duality is, you know. So, um, it, yeah, I mean, great, great moment and a, another great score, you know, moment for John Williams. <laughs> You know, you know, actually, Zabita, you kind of spoiled my number two because I actually have that as my number two. Because, like you said, it's a, it's very iconic. Like the score just really elevates that scene. And what I love about the twin sons is like you have like it's like two paths for Luke. Does he want to go down the path of adventure and potentially making something bigger of his life, or does he want to stay at home and just be like you know just a regular farmer, just be like a regular person? Never, uh, even, never even thought about that. Uh, so I, that, that's why I kind of like really yeah. like that scene a lot. Uh, I do love the fact that they, like, when Luke finally goes off, like, when he sacrificed himself in 8, you see the twin sons mm -hmm. in that. And then when he goes, it, it kind of got me choked up because I was like, I like the parallel there. I and, I, and I knew what it meant. Yeah. Like, wow, like, it. his journey started with the twin sons mm -hmm. and his journey ended with the twin sons and you know in front of him. So mm -hmm. that's why I love it. And it's also a very iconic scene where... You know, you just see that all the time in the marketing of Star Wars. It's, oh, it's yeah. just so iconic now. Yeah. Yep. No. Cool. I'm glad that was your number two. Thing. Sorry for for spoiling it. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I love it. It's great. So, uh, cool. So, uh, Ryan, what's your number three? Well, since number two got you know spoiled <laughs> by Vita, uh, <laughs> my number three is actually Luke versus Vader two on on Return of the Jedi on the Death Star two. Uh, I think this is a very iconic battle because it, well, I love about the battle, like the fight between these two, is like the emperor's in the background. He's kind of like it's kind of like the snake, in, like in Snake and Adam and Eve, kind of like like talking to Eve, mm -hmm. kind of like trying to 
turn her like kind of evil in a way right uh like you know use your aggressive feelings boy like let the hate throw like you know throw through you and i think what put over the top of me was in that final uh conversation with vader where he's kind of hiding Vader. you see his face half in black and half in white mm-hmm. kind of similar to what's probably going to happen here and once vader brings up you know leia his sister that if he doesn't turn that maybe she will that's when he kind of loses it he just goes completely crazy on vader beats him and that should be the end of the battle but no you know the emperor wants him to take up vader's mantle and that's where he kind of he sees vader's hand it's robotic he's like oh my god i'm starting to become like my father poses himself calms down turns off his lightsaber and throws it away says no i'm not gonna join and be like my father you know i'm a jedi now like my father before me Mm-hmm. So it's a very, very iconic, very kind of full circle with Luke accepting all the bad things. And that's what I like about his album in Return of the Jedi, that he's all black. Because at the beginning, he started off in all white, kind of symbolizing his innocence and symbolizing his naiveness. With the black uniform, it kind of symbolizes him accepting all the bad things that have happened to him mm-hmm. and going forward and becoming a bigger, stronger character and to overcome all that with the Emperor and with his father. Well, I have to say, you've totally changed my mind about that scene because Return of the Jedi might be the only original trilogy movie that I'm kind of ick about. Okay. And like that scene itself, uh, for all those points that you just called out, is yes, that's what makes that a fantastic scene. The lightsaber fighting, though, is like horrible. Yeah, I, I, I kind of. I I like appreciate it because I appreciate the story that's going yeah, on. Yeah, and 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 you know that's on me to look at it from the story perspective instead of the aesthetics. So. And also the score by John Williams that I see with Lewis right. going nuts. Yeah, we're just great. yeah we're just totally growing out on John, John Williams. Williams. Well, I mean, I think like it, it just helps. That's why these moments are so great because the music of the franchise is just elevated, or those scenes are elevated by the music. Uh, and again, this the the these movies wouldn't be anywhere if it wasn't for John Williams. So, no, true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. and don't worry, my, my next two are all about John Williams for the most part. So <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what, do you, what do you think about Ryan's, uh, you know, Luke versus Vader in return? No, I think, I think it's a really great, uh, assessment that I never have really thought about in the past. Um, and I, I think when I rewatch it, cause I haven't rewatched it in a while, uh, I'll have to kind of, th- keep that in the back of my head and just kind of think about it that way. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Good, good analysis of that. So yeah, right. Good analysis. I can do an autopsy on that fighting. <laughs> really sure you could, man. Uh, sure you could. Cool. <laughs> uh, All right. So Eric, where you, you have to do your number three, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my right. number three, I'm jumping to the other side here. Uh, in episode seven, last Jedi, when Ray and Kylo team up. So, it's interesting because this scene is almost a direct mirror of the scene that you just described. Mm-hmm. And it is Wait in wait, which episode? In The Last Jedi. Oh, okay. You said episode seven. Yeah. Episode eight, you mean. Oh, I'm sorry, episode eight. I'm sorry. It's all it's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when uh Kylo essentially kills Snoke mm-hmm. and then him and Ray fight off the guards. It's just such a it's such a beautiful scene. It's a total like that's the scene that I think that got people either happy with the movie 
or upset with the movie. That and the Canto Bite stuff, but we won't talk about well, that. Um, but, you know, it, it, it was it was literally a mirror of that scene that you just described in Return of the Jedi. And it, and it almost, like, set you up and teased what was about to happen. And then Kylo Ren... Which is one of my favorite characters from the new, ser- you know, the new series. Same with me. Uh, Had the best know, arc out of everyone in that movie, right? Or oh, the trilogy, right? You know, and like he just totally takes you by surprise, and it's in that moment where him and Ray team up and fight off the guards and stuff. It's like I can't believe I'm seeing this on screen right now, and it was so beautifully shot. The the coloring of any Ryan Johnson movie is beautiful. Like the accent of red and black in that whole scene. I mean, you could, you know, we could talk for an hour about the symbolism and and all of that stuff in that scene. But, mm. uh, you know, out of the new series, I would say this is one of the most iconic moments for me. Yeah, well, no, one one hundred percent agree with that. It's definitely probably the best scene, at least for me, in uh, in the Last Jedi for sure. Um, just seeing them kind of team up and. Uh, why and what's going on is just absolutely incredible, and just yeah, watching them fight together is just yeah, pretty pretty amazing. So yeah, it's it's very iconic. It, it's probably one of the best things that came out of Last Jedi. Like the fight, the fighting with them and the guards just I'm on the edge of my seat like throughout the entire time because it just is so fun to watch, and I love that twist where you think oh it's gonna be like you know you know Ben turned to the light side and then. What Ryan does so brilliantly, and he flips it on you. He said, "No, I just did it for myself, and I, I want you to be my apprentice." Mm-hmm. You know, so just again, like very smart writing, like very good choreography in the fight, and you know, they kind of tease you what it's going to go the same way in Return of the Jedi, and they kind of flip it on you, which is I think was brilliant. Right. Cool. So the great number, th- where were we? Three, three, right? Three, yes. Okay, cool. All right, so we're at number two. Uh, So, Ryan, sorry for spoiling your number two. Um, uh, But for me, my number two is the very end of The Force Awakens. So uh, throughout the entire movie, we're just wondering where Luke is. Like, I remember sitting in the theater just like, okay, is Luke going to appear here? Oh, maybe he's going to appear here. Maybe he's going to do this. Uh, And he just never appears. Um, and then finally at the end, you're like, okay, we know where Luke is. And it's like, okay, it's going to happen. Um, and to me, I just, when, when Ray lands on the, the planet of Octu, uh, and they land on that Island, which is the real life location of Skellig Island. Um, it's her just like climbing the steps. Uh, the music, uh, to me, one of my favorite pieces of music out of the entire film, out of all the films is, uh, it's called the Jedi steps. Um, and it's just, you just kind of hear this music as she's climbing the steps. And then finally she reaches, uh, Luke Skywalker and you're just like, she just takes a lightsaber and she's holding it out. And the, the movie just has this amazing sweeping shot, probably from like a helicopter of the, just them on top of this Island. Uh, and then, and then it just, it just cuts the black. Uh, and then you're just you're just like oh you're just amazed by like what you've seen like i I can remember the feeling uh and then there's like the the couple years of speculation of like what's gonna happen and uh to me that's just i just 
that's my favorite. Uh, it's it's just uh, I just it's my favorite moment in that movie, and uh, one of my favorite moments of of all the movies. Um, just mostly also due to John Williams' score. Uh, I didn't think the score in Force Awakens was that strong. I thought the only great thing that came out of it was Ray's theme, um, and then this piece of score. Um, but yeah, just I love it. It's just, yeah, my 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 number two choice. Yeah, Z, that's actually a great pick because I remember being in the theater with my sister opening night, and because everybody was kind of speculating before the movie, like you know when is Luke going to show up? Like, because actually to kind of give you like a little bit in my mind a little bit when that scene was happening, I actually thought when Kyle was trying to give Luke, uh, Anakin's lightsaber and it flew by him, I thought it would actually go to Luke. I thought he would be there in that fight between Ray and Kyle. <laughs> yep. Now, that happened. Yep. That would have broke the screen. I mean that that didn't happen, but. When he went to the island, and she climbed the stairs, and you see the you know see Luke, like in his white uh, you know hoodie, and he pulls it down. The place just went absolutely nuts, and <laughs> you know, and she takes the lightsaber, the, the music going. It's like giving back Excalibur to the king, right? And it was just such a great tease and a cliffhanger that will go into the Last Jedi. So, I think it's one of the best endings they've they've had. In throughout the entire Star Wars saga, 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 saga. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of have to agree after thinking on this one for a little bit too. Um, you know, I kind of fell into the, the the pit of some people that were upset about it, like, oh, we didn't get enough Luke, or oh, he's disrespecting this, or blah blah blah. But then when you kind of find out why he throws the lightsaber and, and that all happens, you totally get it. Mm-hmm. And then also, it's like. He's a Jedi. He technically doesn't really need a lightsaber. He just needs the Force, mm. which I think is perfectly represented in The Last Jedi. But, um, no, Matt, definitely a great pick. Wonderful pick for number two. Thanks. Uh, Ryan's number two was spoiled. It got disqualified. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, well, were there any other thoughts you wanted to put there, Ryan, or are you good? Uh, I think the best thing about that ending of that movie is it just got everybody so hyped going into eight. Yeah. Like I can I cannot remember people leaving the theater and just being jacked yeah. going into the next episode. Yeah, and then they were probably upset. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then their jackness kind of went down like mm. <laughs> Yeah. Um no so I'm well I'm glad you added some more commentary there, but I also meant uh any more uh thoughts for your number two, which is the binary sunset. Anything else you want to add there? No, I think I kind of kind of explained that entire scene. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. All right, sounds good. So yeah, Eric, uh, we'll move on. And what's uh, what's your number two? Uh, so my number two actually was um, Ryan's number five, and I didn't, I, I, I kind of didn't mention it when we were when he was talking about it. But he, he you know, he kind of explained it perfectly. Like that's the scene. What was that, number five again? Oh, I'm sorry. It's the Vader scene at the end of Rogue One. Okay. Um. And I'll just say, like, you know, when we saw that in the theaters, I mean, it, it, it was just one of those moments where you looked at the person next to you and you're just like, oh, oh this is going to happen right now. And it's just like it was so amazing. Uh, definitely the best on screen representation of Darth Vader. Uh, and, you know, like I said before, it just it just makes A New Hope that much better of a movie. So I would definitely suggest to anybody watch a watch rogue one before you watch a new hope and i think it'll make your viewing experience that much better 
Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing, as we touched on it before. So, uh, Ryan, any any other thoughts on, on that uh, Eric's number two pick? Yeah, actually, they kind of quickly go off that. When Kenobi actually says A New Hope, like, Vader kind of hunted down the Shroyal of the Jedi Knights, that scene kind of makes you go, oh, yeah, like, he wasn't kidding. Like, it showed how stronger he got with all, like, you know, when he got burned up the way he did and mm-hmm. got in the suit and... He came off, like I said before, like like a monster. It's very believable that he would go around and destroy the rest of the Jedi that actually survived Order 66. Well, hopefully, maybe then we see some of him, see him do that in um, the, in Kenobi, the Kenobi series. series yeah, maybe, I would. Oh maybe, but who knows? who knows? I would love to see it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Sounds good. So those are our number twos. Um, so before we get to our number ones, does anyone have any honorable mentions that they want to do? I don't have any honorable mentions, but uh, Eric, I don't know if you do. Ryan, I know you have uh, 49 others. We will not go through all those. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, but if there's if there's just a couple that you want to mention, uh, you, you could tell them now. Uh, go, go ahead, Ryan. You could, oh, okay. and then I'll. So I'll the kind of the kind of go through like six to ten. Quick, quickly, I, very quickly. Yeah, quickly. <laughs> uh, number six was the opera scene from Revenge of the Sith. Uh, number seven was when Anakin like burns up in that that last talk he has with Kenobi. I just thought it was like kind of very powerful. You were the chosen one. Uh, number number <laughs> number number eight was when uh, Han talks to Ben in the the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, it's a very powerful like yeah to seven. Powerful uh, moment that confused the people, which is sad. well, it, it, it got me. It got me emotional because nobody saw it coming. Well, yeah, but people thought he was actually there, which was hilarious. No, uh, uh, number nine, uh, the greatest teacher failure is like the last time we actually got to see Yoda and give like his last uh, lesson to Luke. And number ten, Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn versus Maul. It's just one of the greatest like lightsaber fights of all time in the saga. In the saga. The saga. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I- I'll, I'll kind of say not not like a favorite memorable moment, but definitely a memorable moment that ruined my father's viewing experience was uh, when Han Solo dies. Oh man! Hi. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Oh my we god. we watched Force Awakens before we saw it with my parents, and then walking in like like a few days before. This is just I'll just be quick. A few days before, my dad was like, "Yeah, Han Solo was like." one of the best characters growing up like you know he was like mm. really cool character like all you know and i'm going on and on about it and we're all kind of giving each other that side eye look we're like uh-oh Uh-oh. this is not gonna be good doesn't know what it's in for <laughs> we're in a pack theater and my dad when he gets when han solo gets stabbed literally just goes what so angry he was mad we went out to eat after he like didn't say anything he's like i'm done i'm done how do you kill han solo <laughs> like, can't oh believe this so like <laughs> that definitely gotta be just an honorable mention yeah. right yeah i cool. love that moment oh that's great yeah <laughs> awesome sounds good yeah i i actually don't have any honorable mentions these are uh the the five that i have so um Cool. So let's get to our number one picks. Uh, I will go first. I doubt you guys will have this one um, because since both of you mentioned the Darth Vader sequence at the end of Rogue One, I actually love the scene right before it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where Jyn Erso and Cassian Andor's mission is now complete. Uh, they uploaded the plans to the ship uh, and they're they're walking to the beach 
um, and they're just kind of both of them are just pretty badly injured. Uh, and then the Death Star uh, unleashes onto the planet. Flagship is disabled, my lord, but has received transmissions from the surface. Prepare a boarding party. Yes, my lord. just kind of know that their demise is coming from this impending just wave coming at them um and Jaren Urso and Cassian Andor are talking to each other and Cassian Andor t- t- tells uh Jin that her father would be proud uh, or tells her that your father would be proud and the, the music behind this from Michael Giacchino um, is just one of my favorite pieces um, from the entire, uh, from all the films. Uh, and it just, it's just stuck with me since the, I've seen the movie and I just, I love it so much. And there, none of the Star Wars movies have just had an ending the, where, like this where the main character dies. Like these are big tentpole star wars movies and you know or even in the big temple movie tentpole movies you don't kill your main characters you just don't do it but this it made sense for the storyline for new hope to continue like new hope like when it happens and if you watch them back to back like we've been talking about it like all we know about these people in new hope is that rebel spies stole plans and that's it that's it that's it and that's what I, I, I feel like this moment is so impactful to me because no one's going to really remember who they are. But for what they did to get these plans to save millions and millions of people or billions, maybe, uh, it's just really cool. And I just think the moment that both of them have on the beach together and just listening to the music in the background is just, oh, it's just it's so good. It's so good. I love it. So that's uh, that's my number one. Yeah, actually, Z, that's actually a very underrated scene because I do agree with you. Uh, when I went into Rogue One, you know, everybody made the joke like, is Disney really going to kill off all their characters? I mean, that, that's very un-Disney-like of them to do. And when you see one by one them all getting picked off, especially with uh, the most heartbreaking one was K2SO. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that hurt. That hurt very much. But yeah, like when Jin and Cassian like, had their fate determined, it was sad, but you, you felt like it was satisfying because, like, 
they did what they wanted to accomplish. They got the Death Star plans. They gave the Rebels a chance, you know, to fight another day and to take out that Death Star, which if they didn't, it's going to spell the end of not only the Rebellion, but the galaxy as to know it and to go into even more in the darkness. Right. So their sacrifice was very well earned. And yeah, like the music is just, just helps elevate that scene. Like we keep mm -hmm. talking about music in Star Wars, but it does. Like music is really half of these films and without it, it wouldn't work in yeah. that epic uh, way. Yeah. Uh, so Matt, I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, this is such a scene that is almost not unrecognizable in a Star Wars movie, but it's definitely like a huge risk that, you know, a lot of people speculated that how, how are they going to do this? Right. Um, what this scene actually reminded me of, even when I saw it for the first time, was there was a movie that came out the same year that Armageddon came out, and it was called Deep Impact. Matt, yeah, you, of you course, saw, yeah. Yeah, you saw that, right? Yep. So at the end of that movie, there's uh, a woman who has, you know, there's a woman who has like kind of this weird relationship with her father. But the movie ends, and you know, I don't care if I spoil it. I mean, you, it's a tw Deep it's Impact. a twenty year old movie. Well, yeah, it right. It's called Deep Impact. So how that how that uh, how that movie ends is like something hits the earth, and it's this woman and her father standing on the beach, and it was like their their moment of like embracing one another and accepting one another and forgiving one another, and then they're kind of taken out. And this moment kind of felt the same for me, where you know, like you said, it's like your father would be proud. Mm -hmm. You know, like it gave her that closure to herself. And I think that these are very like humanizing moments that are, you know, very like like you said, these people aren't going to be remembered. And us as the audience, you know, will remember them, even though they're just a one line off in a new hope mm -hmm. for, you know, that, you know, like for the universe in the movie. So I think it's, I, I you know, definitely a really cool scene, Matt. I was not expecting that to be your number one. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it's it, like I said, it's just stuck with me for so long, and uh, that's I think you made a really great, uh, maybe not analogy is the word I'm looking for, but just comparing it to Deep Impact, which was a pretty good movie. But I agree, the scene with the mother and father on the beach was super powerful uh, in that moment of them just kind of holding each other, and um, yeah, a good good comparison to this, but yeah, I uh it's it's so good and I just I love it. So it's my favorite moment from uh, any of the Star Wars films. So I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say. So Eric, I'm going to I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. Well, I just looked at Ryan's list. Him and I have the same number 1. Okay, so shoot, do you want to let Ryan <laughs> do you want to let Ryan go? Yeah, yeah, Ryan, you go since okay. you are a special guest and you're the Star Wars fanatic. Well, I thank you, I thank you uh, Eric. Well, I love, I love how, I love how you two as brothers just have the same moment. So it should uh, not be a surprise. It's not a really surprise to me. I, I kind of figured this would be your number one, but our number one, if we're kind of tag teaming this, <laughs> is Vader, Vader vs. Luke, Empire slash, I am your father. You are beaten. It is useless to resist. Don't let yourself be destroyed as Obi Wan did. There is no escape. Don't make me destroy you. Look, you do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me. 
and I will complete your training. With our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you! If you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough! He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. Search your feelings, you know it to be true. No! No! Yeah. Uh, what I love about this fight, I am why I have this in my number one. Yeah, like in the beginning of the fight, Vader's just really toying with him the whole time. Like, I think he could really just kill him at any point, but he doesn't want to. He wants him to bring him on his side because he believes that with him, mm-hmm. with his son, he can take out the Emperor and then they can rule the galaxy's father and son. Right. But as the fight kind of goes on, Vader's kind of getting like kind of a little mad at him. It's like, why won't he just like stop fighting and just come join me? Well, the scene where Adder Luke goes out the window, he's walking down and he just slashes at Luke and he just barely gets out of the way. And this is like Vader, like fully like, okay, I've had enough. The gloves are coming off. He's just like just swinging at you him. You are beaten. <laughs> and like, yeah, you're beaten. He's supposed to resist. Like, don't feel like like Kenobi and just like die without like any like uh, honor, like in his opinion. Right. And then the moment comes where he cuts his hand off and Vader goes into speech like how important he is, like mm-hmm. and, and Luke's like, No, I'm not gonna join you, I'm not gonna join you. Oh well, if only you knew the power of the dark side and how well Kenobi never really told told you who your father really is. Like, yeah, he, he kinda told me enough, like, you know, you jerk. He told me you killed him and then Vader goes, No, I am your father. Mind which, blown. Which mind blown like I remember Z, like, when we as a family went to see Star Wars in 97 when Special Editions came out. The Special Editions. Special Editions. And when that moment came at five years old, it blew my mind. Because I didn't see it coming. I think it's probably one of the greatest twists of all time. Because even people who saw it back then, even they they were saying... Oh, he's lying. How are they going to play that lie out? Like, nobody believed it that the most evil person in the universe up to that point was the father to Luke. It was right. just so yeah. mind I, I can only imagine the speculation back in the the eighties of like wait, was he lying? Was he telling the truth? Like what is going on? Yeah, and having to wait like three years for the next movie. Right. Like like a world without Twitter and Facebook and, <laughs> yep. and, and you know, angry human beings <laughs> out there. Right. They had to take out an ad in the paper almost. But uh so yeah, I mean this is my number one also. And, you know, I, I can I'll agree with everything that Ryan says, you know, I mean, this is I like this scene more uh, this fight scene, you know, more than Return of the Jedi. Obviously, I think mm-hmm. the length of it is really what I like the most. The playing around that Vader does with Luke. Um, it's almost like he's he, you know, he's toying with him uh, and he wants him to experience like suffering in, in almost like a like a hands-off kind of way right like he's hitting him with pieces of the ship and and then he like gets to the point where like he cuts his hand off because he's like all right like 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 out of sheer anger himself he loses it and cuts his own son's hand off like that's absurd 
like in a way to convince somebody to join you. Like, yeah, well, he knew he could probably be a powerful Jedi without a hand. Because look at Vader. He doesn't have no, any limbs. Uh, well, so. right. Yeah, Vader got a lot more cut off than his <laughs> hand. But, um, you know, like you said, it's one of the most iconic, mind-blowing moments. And I, could, I, I couldn't imagine what it was like back in the day waiting for this to come out and and speculating and and believe is this true is this or is this the the emperor telling him to say this like like you have no idea like i'd love to go back and look at old magazines you know like of what they said funny funny story about this urban cursor if you actually watch the empire of dreams documentary that kind of chronicles the entire ot he says during he he actually put a false page of that scene and he actually had the real script nobody knew about it they cameraman the only people that really knew about it was mark hamill and Irving kershner and george lucas so mark so, hamill knew i thought yeah, i heard he, he didn't know no he did he was told privately before that scene was shot okay and actually when uh david Proud was actually doing the the voiceover they re-record his voice so like when they re-record it it's you know james Earl jones but in the moment it's actually very said no you don't know the truth obi-wan was the one actually killed your father father in the in the false page that really? was in because they didn't want it to get out today okay. that would have been spoiled in twitter and facebook and all like you know oh, yeah, it would have been it would have been yeah. leaked yeah so that's why it's such a special moment because it's it's so iconic it, it was the biggest twist in and my no opinion one, of all time and no one saw it coming. and nobody saw it coming yeah yeah no it's it's our it's uh, yeah again arguably probably the the biggest twist of all time and I just pray that whenever I have kids, I can keep that twist from them. Um, because, I mean, it's people talk about it freely all the time. So who knows? Yeah. Who knows what happened? But um, cool. So, I mean, any, any final thoughts on, on either number one or anything else that we've uh, kind of chatted about today? No, I think uh, we, we said everything we needed to be said. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm good, man. Yeah, so I mean, this was uh, such a fun episode to do. Uh, I love talking top five moments and of, of anything. So, um, Ryan, thanks for the great idea today. Um, Thank you. Yeah, this this is a lot of fun. Thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, right. Thanks. Yeah, like I, I was happy to be on. It was definitely a blast to kind of go through Star Wars lore, and uh, yeah, which is a lot of fun to just talk about Star Wars, geek out on Star, and kind Wars. of just geek out on it. Yeah. Just like how Eric sometimes geeks out over Marvel. <laughs> That's for sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. So we got a lot of cool things. Oops, just smacked my mic. Uh, we got a lot of cool things coming in the future. Um, or not we, but Star Wars in general. A lot of cool things coming in the future. Um, whenever production starts back up in Hollywood, uh, we'll definitely be getting some stuff soon. Hopefully we get The Mandalorian at the end of the year, which we're supposed to. We'll, that'll probably be delayed, but who knows. But... All right, so let's get out of here today. So, uh, Eric, where can we find you? Uh, you know, you, you all can just find me on uh, Instagram at NotYourAverageAccountant. All right, cool. You can find me at Matsubita on Instagram. And uh, make sure you are subscribing to the podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or however you listen to podcasts. Uh, and if you can, please leave a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. It'll really help out the show. 
Any questions or comments, you could shoot those over to what you think podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you could also follow me on Letterboxd. Uh, you can go to letterboxd.com slash Zebes, Z E E B S. Uh, and then you could also listen to my other podcast, which is a Disney Parks News podcast. You could follow that at excesspresspodcast.com. All right, so Eric and Ryan, may the fourth be with you. And also with you. You too, Matt. <laughs>